This is the Dungeon Master's Handbook. Hello, and welcome to a bonus episode of the Dungeon Master's Handbook. I'm Michael Shorten, Chicago Wiz, and I'm glad you're here with me. In this bonus episode, I'm going to cover a couple of call-ins that I've gotten. Uh, it's really kind of cool to get call-ins from other podcasters and listeners. Uh, some of them have asked some questions. I'm going to try to get to those. And also, I'm going to talk about a really neat uh, new supplement for both basic and 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons that one of my players in my Tuesday night game has just released. So let's get to the calls. Hey, Josh Beckelheimer here. Just wanting to call in and tell you that I'm looking forward to your explanation of all the AD&D combat rules. I never played AD&D and I probably never will. But I just love listening to people deep diving into the rules, especially when it's things like people just assume things are harder or wrong just because of other people. For example, me and my wife will be like, hey, you guys want to play Monopoly? And everyone throws a fit. No, that takes hours upon hours to play. And we're like, not if you follow the rules. And, and I do the same thing with just other assumptions. Like, you know, you think you know a game, for example, in the Black Hack. I didn't know that any spell memorized by the wizard is automatically cast, and you just roll to see if you keep it memorized. So I'm looking forward to, to those uh, episodes, man. And that was Josh Beckelheimer of JB Publishing. Hey, Josh, it was really great to hear from you. Thanks for calling in. You were my first official call-in, so from the uh, Audio Dungeon uh discord channel so thanks a lot um yeah i play games to break assumptions as well um i'm not gonna deny it D, D is my jam and if i have to run with just one game on a desert island it's gonna be advanced dungeons and dragons that's just the way i roll but one of the things that i do like to do to break assumptions as well as to learn about different games is to play them at conventions and events. Um, I don't have to put out the money. I get to play with other people's toys. I get to sit and have fun with hopefully an experienced game referee, learn a lot about it, pick up some things that I like. And if it's interesting, then I get to come home and, and pursue it. And if not, I get to say, well, this is what I didn't like about it and go on with my life. But totally agree. Uh, breaking assumptions and trying out new things is always a way that I keep things fresh for myself. So let's listen to the next call. Hey there, it's John calling from the Red Dice Diaries. I know we've just been talking about this on the audio dungeon from my perspective as of the time of recording, but I've just started listening to your back catalogue, as I said I was going to do. Just finished listening to your episode zero. Really looking forward to getting my teeth into the rest of the episode. And I'm really blown away by the idea that you've been running a game set in the same campaign world for so long. You asked what people are like here. And I'd love to hear like how you keep the interest and the sort of love for that single 
campaign world going over such a prolonged period of time i always start getting itchy feet after a while and start wanting to move on but i am and i've mainly been running in the middlelands at the moment but i am thinking about potentially moving on to create my own sort of dnd fantasy campaign world so those are just my thoughts on something i'd like to hear can't wait to listen to the rest of the episodes take care dude That was John Allen Large of Red Dice Diaries. Um, he's got a wonderful podcast. He um, uh, has quite the uh, extensive back collection himself. He's must have been podcasting for a while. And I've had a lot of fun listening to his episodes and uh, hearing his thoughts. Yeah, John, you know, keeping a campaign interesting after 10 years... Um, I'm probably insane. Let me just admit it. I, I'm probably off my rocker. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't tell you what it is that draws this so much for me. It, I can tell you one of the things that, that keeps it entertaining for me. It's because I keep exploring new areas. Um, so when I start a different game, like my play-by-post game or my uh, you know, my recently started online game or when I take the campaign to conventions and play convention games, this is a way for me to explore new parts of my world and to discover something about it that I didn't realize or get to create new things. And, and that for me is, it, it, it's like reading a book that never ends. You know, I get to flip to the next chapter. Or when the players play in my game, you know, they're going to do something different and, and it allows me to explore it more. Um, I'll give you an example. My uh, One of my characters or one of my players kind of semi-retired his character from my tabletop game. He wanted to play a different character. But this older character, he took him on a solo quest into orc territory did not expect to survive. He wanted to explore this uh, uh, major city of Eurysia, which uh, has drawn my tabletop players like a moth to the flame for the past 10 years. They really want to get this city back. Well, it's been so cool that because we're doing this, he's forced me to figure out what exactly is in Aresia. He's forced me to come up with a couple of really cool NPCs that he's gotten to, uh, you know, interact with. And now that he's managed to, and this is kind of a spoiler to, to my players who are listening, he's managed to survive Eurysia and he's about to leave. And he's seeing incidents that the other players have kind of experienced or will experience, but he's seeing it from a different point of view. To me, this is just utterly fascinating. And it's all these different ways that that I get to really dig in and, uh, and stay interested and stay excited. Uh, you know, I am not Tolkien by any means, but I kind of recognize what drove him to keep writing stories in Middle Earth because there's so much there that I keep coming up with and I want to keep adding. And I think maybe that's another thing. For me, it's all about the setting. The rules, um, you know, I like a good rule set. I like the importance of rules. But at the end of the day, it's all about the adventure and the setting 
and the world that my players are exploring. So that's just a, uh, you know, a, a little bit about it. And hey, John, if you have more questions about that, maybe you and I should get together and maybe record a discussion about, uh, you know, campaigns and, and how to keep them alive and some, maybe some more of your questions and thoughts. But thanks for calling in. So let's listen to the next call. Yo, what up, Michael? It's Joe, and I'm just digging through your older episodes, and it's just absolutely fascinating, man. Uh, I think it's super cool that you started gaming the year I was born, but, dude, like, we, other than that, we have pretty similar stories. I was involved with the hobby for a long time, then fell out of it for a long time, and now I'm back in it full force. So, yeah, it's just been great, dude, and I, I heard you mention... Uh, you were talking about secret roles, role and reaction roles, secret. And I just want to get your thoughts on that. I don't roll anything behind the screen. I personally, uh, I just roll everything out in the open. I like that. Uh, I think my players really like it. It adds to the drama because there's nothing like, you know, losing a fight when you know that the enemy only has one hit point left. Anyway, man, peace out. That was Joe, also known as the Blind Rat, from Hindsightless Podcast. Um, Joe is uh, Joe has several call-ins here that we're going to be listening to, and uh, uh, you know he, he really, really great guy. Uh, he's got a great podcast. He's very excited. Uh, he's really digging into some things. It sounds like uh, for the first time, perhaps in in the older versions of uh, Dungeons and Dragons, and, and and I think that's really cool. But first off, I didn't share this one, and and I've gotten some the same messages from other people. Um, thank you very much for the kind words about my uh, recently uh, deceased son, Vincent. It's really, it's really meant a lot to me that everyone has reached out to support me, to offer condolences and kind words. We just had a, a memorial gathering for Vincent um, a week ago. And several of my tabletop friends came to it, and it, it was really nice. And and I, and I really, the, these people are my friends, and you know I I definitely would do the same for them. They come, they share time with me, they share their imagination with me, but they also share their lives with me. Um, I've gotten to meet uh, some of their kids. Um, one of my friends, he brings his daughter over when he plays D&D, &D, and so my granddaughters and his daughter are playing. Another friend, his uh, older adult son, comes over, and we play war games all the time when he's home from school and work. And, uh, you know, I've gotten to really know these people. And so thank you very much for the condolences. Um, so Joe asked a really great question. Why do I keep my reaction roles secret? And first off, not all of my roles are secret. Um, the roles that I keep secret, secret, <laughs> secret are the roles where failure is going to be an option an interesting option and the way I'm going to present the situation, I want the players themselves to react to as players, not from seeing the dice roll. Let me give you an example of this. And a very good example are AD&D thief skills. 
AD&D has this crazy D100 um, mini mechanic for resolving thief skills. One of the things that I've done, and, and I can't remember where I saw this or heard this, but it's, it, it's really worked out well. I do all the rolling for thieves in secret. And there's a reason for that, because failure is interesting. You know, the thief wants to know if there's a trap. Well, I don't want to just roll it in front of them and tell them, no, it's not trapped. Or, yeah, you see the needle. I want them to think about how are they going to do this. So I tell them, you know, okay, you're going to you're going to search for the trap on the lock. How are you doing that? I'll roll the dice in secret. And for me, if the failure is really, really bad, then they just flat out, you know, I'll tell them the exact opposite. Oh, no, that lock's not trapped. You don't see a darn thing wrong with it. And then click, something happens. If it's close to succeeding, I'm going to give them some benefit of the doubt and say, well, you're not sure. This lock looks kind of odd. It may be trapped, it may not be, but all of you, you know, it just doesn't look right. And the same thing if they're close on in that success column where, you know, it was really close to failure. I'll give them somewhat the same thing. And then, of course, if it succeeds, then, you know, I'm going to give them all the information they need. But here it engages the player. Now, I'm not going to screw them out of anything, nor am I going to fudge it. I'm going to give them clues, but I want them to think. I want them to engage much more than just this mechanical, yep, you failed, nope, you didn't fail kind of thing. It adds a little spice to it. For reactions, I want the players to react to how I present the reaction versus just the mechanical role of, oh, you rolled a three and, you know, the monsters, you know, obviously don't like you. I want to have that reaction to where if the players are trying to convince the monsters, you know, to let them pass and I roll a three, you know, my, I'm going to say, well, their faces turn set and their hands start to reach for their blades as they start to pull them half out. And one of the orcs rumbles back, you best get going, pink skin, before we slit your throats. You know, they're not sure if the orcs are going to attack, but it's not looking real good. To me, It's not about keeping them secret that I don't want the players to benefit, but it's keeping it secret so that I can present more information for them to play with rather than them just looking at a role and going, oh, well, you know, we failed the role. Let's go ahead and attack them anyway. So, Joe, I hope that answered your question. Definitely, if you've got more questions about this, um, you know, let me know and let's have a discussion about it. What's up, Michael? It's Joe. I just got finished listening to your whole catalog, and it's just fantastic, man. You do awesome, awesome work. And I just wanted to call in because on the episode where you were talking about the adaptions you've made to AD&D and your D-130 role, which I think is amazing, I have um, a house rule around my game where if in combat you roll three 20s in a row, you kill whatever you're fighting automatically, no matter what. But if you roll three ones in a row, you automatically die. No save, no nothing. Also, those rules go for bad guys as well. And it is amazing. What's crazy is how often somebody has rolled 
two ones in a row and then on the next roll rolled an 11 like that's happened so many times it's nuts anyway dude great stuff really really great and i can't wait for some more episodes okay so once again that was joe from the hindsightless podcast um thanks for calling in again and talking about your uh how you do your roles and thanks for listening to the back catalog um i i'm glad you enjoyed it um I have two things that I roll that I want to talk about. I got rid of critical hits and fumbles. It has made everything just go so much more smoothly. What I will do, though, is if you roll a one, doesn't matter how many bonuses you have or how, you know, how low the uh, creature's armor class is, it's an automatic miss. If you roll a 20, unless it's something where... Their natural resistance, you know, you have to hit them with a, a magical weapon or some sort of special circumstance. If it's a normal everyday physical attack, a 20 always hits. Now about my D30. And so what Joe was talking about is I have a D30 rule in my game where if you want to, you can grab the D30 once per game and roll it. And that's a substitute for a two-hit roll, a save roll. I've allowed it for a damage roll. Um, pretty much everything except generating hit points. You can't generate hit points if you level up by using the D30. So... One of the things I warn the players, though, is that if you roll a 1 on the D30, it is going to be the ultimate worst circumstance that all of us can possibly come up with. And if you roll a 30 on the D30, then it is the ultimate best possible outcome that you can imagine ever and will go with it. Um, so far... We've had a couple of ones. We haven't had any 30s, but but I'm waiting for that uh, 30 to come for the ultimate best outcome. So, yeah, Joe, thanks a lot for the call in and um, hope to hear from you again soon. Okay, that's about it for this bonus episode of Dungeon Master's Handbook. If you heard some barking in the background, we have a very excited six-month-old puppy who thinks that the um, vacuum cleaner should be barked at. So uh, fortunately, the vacuum cleaner is out downstairs, and uh, she's letting us know that the murder machine is out and about. Um, before I did go, I wanted to draw your attention to a recent supplement that was just put out by one of my players. Um, the supplement is called On Ta Downtime and Domains, and it's by Courtney Campbell. This uh, little book is exactly what it sounds like. It's uh, ideas, thoughts, random charts and rules and whatnot for what to do with your players when they're not in a dungeon or on a wilderness expedition. It's a fun little book. I uh, he wrote it for both basic and fifth edition. There's a copy for basic. There's a copy for fifth edition. Um, it is available right now on DriveThruRPG. I'll put a link to it at the bottom. It would be really awesome if you could check it out. Uh, Courtney's a, a great player. Courtney plays a uh, druid, Mort, in my... Uh, my Roll20 Discord online game, and Mort is a hoot. 
Um, Courtney comes up with some of the craziest ideas that that I could imagine. Some of them I just kind of give him the virtual are you kidding me look some of them i roll with but uh one thing's for sure every time mort does something it it, it can be potentially very interesting um so yeah check out the supplement and uh you know enjoy all right that's it for this bonus edition hopefully not too long and until next time game on <laughs>